we've got legacy hardware and software uh, that were built with Doc. You know, you know this. Um, and the amygdala, and it's giving us signals that are just not rational um, signals. They're, they're, it's wiring um, that was based on, you know, a thousand years ago. There, there, there were different kinds of fears. Um, and they were legitimate, like if a lion showed up to attack us or we're going to fall off a cliff or freeze to death. But um, now most of our fears are, um, are really really just the avoidance of discomfort. That's all. That's all it is. So if you quickly do a head check and say, oh, I know what's going on there. My brain is just looking to get me to stop running right now or stop climbing or get away from the cold shower because it doesn't want to be comfortable. That's not a legitimate fear. Collective Insights is a voyage through topics and technologies revolutionizing human well-being. We explore the fields of neuroscience, integrative medicine, anthropology, optimal psychology, systems thinking, and existential risk. Groundbreaking approaches for a better world and a better life await you. Welcome to Collective Insights. All right, welcome to Collective Insights. I'm Dr. Dan Stickler. I'm the medical director here at the Neurohacker Collective. And today I have the honor of hosting someone who I admire a great deal, uh, Joe DeSena. He is the CEO and founder of Spartan, a series of high endurance obstacle courses. He's also a New York Times bestselling author of Spartan Up, Spartan Fit, and The Spartan Way. He's been an entrepreneur since eight years old, and he's had a passion for life that moves the ball forward against all odds. In his latest book, The 10 Rules for Resilience, mental toughness for families. He takes that passion for mental toughness and applies it to the family unit. So welcome, uh, Joe. It's an honor to have you here. Thanks for having me. The, the Noro Hacker Collective. I love it. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it, it's very appropriate for the type of uh, the team we have and the people that, uh, that follow this. Um, you know, I love Spartan Race. I've, I did... I did it in 2018 and 2019, and obviously 2020 and 2021 had a little bit of a hiccup in it. So I'm planning on doing it again this year, but um, I can tell you it's it, it's one of the most favorite events that I've done, um, and mainly because it, it hits so many different areas, not only um, endurance and, and physical, but also the mental piece of it. So can you talk to me about really what motivated you to do this? I mean, what, what's your story here? You know, I'll answer it in a strange way. Um, this morning, uh, we just moved to Florida. Uh, we kept the farm in Vermont where Spartan was started. It's definitely a resilience farm up there. It's always cold. We've got a mountain in the backyard that we climb. And the family, we packed up and moved to Florida just because it's it's been very hard on the business to operate in in places where you can't get people back to an office, et cetera. So we packed up. And my understanding is um, that a very difficult time in anybody's life is moving. So here <laughs> we are. We went through this move. And just this morning, um, my daughters were having a meltdown. Um for a whole host of reasons that any any daughter would have a meltdown, right? Like new friends, new sport, the whole thing. And so when you ask that question, like where Spartan came from, I think back to my childhood. Like I, I was reflecting on it this morning with my daughters. Like 
my mom was tough as nails. My dad, you know, we were all Italian. We grew up in an Italian neighborhood where people, lots of people went to jail, got killed, um, or owned businesses and grinded from 5 a.m. to midnight every single day, seven days a week. So, so I grew up around that. My mom did it with yoga and meditation, right? The complete antithesis of the Italian neighborhood, the, the ganolis, the ravioli, right? She was like, she meditated and fasted for 30 days straight. She took no prisoners. My dad took no prisoners. So, you know, when you ask, where did this Spartan thing come from? I guess I grew up in it. Yeah. And, and I was introduced to a race at a young age that still exists in Queens, New York, 3,100 miles around a one mile loop, 3,100 miles around a one mile loop. And so I had this in my head. I don't, I don't take responsibility or commitment lightly. Everything I do, I'm all in. I could never sit still. I'm just wired, right? Like, and so how, how do I create an event that instills all of that, that gets people um, to really push themselves way outside their comfort zone, find out what they're made of, introduce them to themselves. What would I call that? Well, <laughs> there's no better name than Spartan, right? Mm -hmm. not, not because it's ours, but because like that's what they embodied 2,500 years ago. So it really was just an effort to put everybody through what I went through as a child, <laughs> my mom and my dad, and make people tougher and um, to stop complaining about the nonsense. Who cares that the Wi-Fi doesn't work? Who cares that the shower's not hot enough? Who cares that you couldn't find the parking spot? These are ridiculous first world problems. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup, and let's get going, right? That's, that's where it comes from. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, even, even just the the ability to be as versatile athletically going through this, um, I have to say, in going through it, the the mental piece of it was probably the greatest piece that um, that I had to overcome because you just you just want to quit at multiple places in it and um, and you want to just like go around obstacles and you just you're just like nope I gotta I gotta stick with this and and move forward. And, you know, one of the things it did for me was it allowed me to do a whole host of training. So, you know, if, if I don't have anything to train for, I, it's difficult for me to get motivated to work out. Um, and when I'm training, I'm usually sports specific for it. But with Spartan, I mean, it's, there is no sports specific. I mean, you are all over the board with with what you need to be able to do uh, from leg strength to arm strength to endurance and um and really just doing awkward things that people just don't normally do but should be able to do if called upon um but i love the the mental component of this and you keep mentioning uh resiliency i mean how does resiliency play a role in in your life well i mean i just went through it right where where mm -hmm. Um, this morning I was dealing with it. And as you're speaking, I'm actually thinking about my speech to my family uh, tonight that I'm going to have, right? And so, look, um, everything we're sold, everything we're 
touching on a daily basis is an attempt to make our lives easier, you know, faster, um, cheaper, more optimized. Like everybody's selling us things, right? That make our lives easier. Uh, I don't see how that makes us better. Mm -hmm. Like we're all going to face challenges. We're all going to die. Why wouldn't we practice and prepare for those challenges? Why wouldn't we get ourselves to be a little more callous? Let's build some calluses on the brain so that when the shit hits the fan, we're better able to deal with it. You practice piano, you practice math, you practice cooking. Let's practice hard. My, uh, my medical practice, we, we focus on human performance optimization. When I say performance, I'm talking about the whole human system performance. And um, one of the things that we've really uh, kind of keyed in on is something from, I uh, give credit to Nassim Taleb on this, is the anti-fragility, uh, which I think is, is really, so, you know, I hear resiliency a lot and um, we work with a lot of uh, military special forces people and, um, you know, they're, they're just hammered with, with being resilient. And what we look at is really the anti-fragile state, which I think is what you're talking about too, is where, you know, for me, I see resiliency as you're faced with a challenge. It, um, it really stresses the system, but you come out on the other side back to normal. And I think in anti-fragility, which um, Spartan Race actually helped me to uh, achieve, is that ability to go through these stressors and come out the other side even stronger than you went in. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, if you go in and do bicep curls, you stress the muscle, you then, you know, let the muscle rest, you feed it and it grows stronger. Um, mm -hmm. it's no different than the rest of the body. I, what I, I here's a great analogy. Ready? It, mm -hmm. Would you and your family want to grow up in a greenhouse where the temperature is controlled? The sunlight comes in perfectly when it's supposed to, you're always watered on time. And what ends up happening is you become really delicate plants mm -hmm. or would you rather grow up on the side of a mountain in a wind and rain and hailstorm where you got to grow roots around the side of a rock to hang on? Like what plant would you rather be? What would you rather be a wolf or a cocker spaniel? Right? Like, I mean, it's that simple. So, so we're breeding and raising wolves. We're attempting to. Now the reality is, my family and I, we're not growing up in Siberia. We're not like, it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm manufacturing adversity. I'm doing the best I can in a very soft, cushy uh, world. But um, by the way, the point is, it'd be pretty hard to compete. I know it's pretty hard to compete with people from a much tougher background. Like, like the one huge advantage uh, someone has growing up, you know, in a tough place is they're tougher. They're hungrier. They're willing to get after it. They want to get ahead. Um, so I'm, I'm doing the best I can manufacturing some adversity in my own life, my family's life, my, my friends, and then the 10 million Spartans just to give them micro doses of, of hard. And, um, it also changes your perspective, you know, when, when stuff does go wrong, you're able to 
reflect back on what I call a resiliency data point, an RDP, so that you could say, wait a minute, this is hard right now, but it's not as hard as X, Y, or Z that I, you know, that I, that I did, that I achieved, mm -hmm. that, that cold shower I took this morning, that, that mountain climb, whatever it may be. So it changes your perspective, your frame of reference, gives you something to reference when, uh, when needed. It reminds me of uh, Nietzsche uh, had talked about two forms of man. He talked about the Ubermensch, uh, the Overman, who would go out, take the risks, understand there's pain involved, but have the exquisite uh, ecstasy of the uh, of the outcomes. And then the the rest of society was the last man, and the last man was the one that made choices uh, that were directed towards the greatest comfort and the least pain. And I think there's a lot of people like that right now um, in the U.S. And I think people who choose to do Spartan are more of the of that uber ubermensch. And, you know, right now, this is a time when it should be obvious to people that we need to have that resiliency. I mean, look at what's happened with COVID. Look at the people who typically are getting the most impact from COVID. Um, you know, they're mandating vaccines. How about mandating exercise? How about mandating healthy eating or, or a healthy lifestyle? Um, I, I think we've lost our, uh, our bearings uh, quite a bit in society. We have definitely lost our bearings. There's no, there's no rite of passage for this culture, right? Mm -hmm. There's no really tough challenge to graduate from being a, you know, a young, uh, somebody youthful, to somebody grown up with responsibility. So, you know, if I had my way, wouldn't it be amazing if there was like a mandatory 12 or 18 months of a boot camp for mm -hmm. everybody? They don't have to look, I'm, I'm not creating a military state. I'm not suggesting that, but like, you should at least do 12 or 18 months, give something back to our country because it gives so much to us. And if you don't, if you don't think it does go live in the favela in Brazil, or in the slums in India where they're missing literally 500 million toilets. Like you have it pretty damn easy if you're listening to this yeah. uh, or you're watching this, you, you have it pretty damn easy and um, you should, you should do something a little bit. You need to be the Ubermensch. Yeah. And you know, the, a lot of people that look at Spartan, cause I've told people about the race and highly recommended it to them. And, and they're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just not in the right shape to do that. And and these are people who they're modest exercisers. They're not aggressive. And you know, I've I've had some talks with Mark Devine about this. Uh, he's a friend of mine, and um, you know, he talks about the people who go through Seal Fit and the Kokoro. And you look at these people, and a lot of them are like CrossFit athletes and and people from different sports that come in. And they think they're going to be fine going through this because they've got the physical attributes. But he said it's the ones with the mental attributes that he sees that finish it um, more frequently than the ones with the physical attributes. Um, and I, I seem to see that in the Spartan race, too. I mean, obviously, it requires a certain degree of physical, but that mental attitude is, is huge. It's all mental. You know, I always tell people, like, you know, 99% of it is mental and the other one percent is mental like it's all mental the whole thing because yeah. because if you and i were in a foot race or we were climbing a mountain or we were swimming across a bay let's say you're in much better shape than me you've been swimming your whole life 
maybe two hours in, I get tired. Maybe six hours in, you get tired. But now we're both tired. Yeah. What's your next move? <laughs> it's all mental. Yeah. Right. So, so we have a crazy race we put on called the death race. And um, mm. it's, it's job. The job of this event is to just get you to quit. To just punch you in the face until you can't take it anymore. And you go home and you're pissed off and you hopefully come back stronger the next year. You get to reflect on it for a year. So I would challenge anybody listening to this, come out. You form a team. It's on me. It's on me. If you're willing to commit to 2022 and you're listening to this, you send me an email, joe at spartan.com. Come out and attempt a death race because everybody over the last 20 years that has attempted the death race um, sends me an email or sees me in person or calls me or texts me and says, you changed my life. I got to meet myself. I got to find out what I'm made of or, or you broke me. And so I had to rebuild myself. Is this part of Spartan or is this something separate? No, this part of Spartan. This is our craziest event. It existed before Spartan. It's, um, you could look it up at youmaydie.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, only crazy people apply. But shoot me an email, joe at spartan.com. Um, if you're listening to this or why I'd love, I'd, the doctor could put together a team and um, it's on me, uh, but you got to commit right away. Take the plunge, leave the shore, as they say. Um, and and I, I promise you, it's a life-changing experience. I'm going to look that one up for sure. That sounds like right up my alley. Yeah. Hey, uh, so you, you've spoken a little bit and, you know, we're talking about mental toughness here, but you've spoken a little bit about stepping into our fears uh, or increasing our fear IQ uh, in mental toughness. So can you take us through that? You know, um, my whole life, I have, um, for some reason, figured out that if I'm fearful of it, it's probably something I should do. Now, you got to do a mental check. You got to find out, you know, really assess what your values, your beliefs are, et cetera. You don't want to push through fear that's warranted. This morning, when my girls were running with me, it was a dark road we were on in a new neighborhood. We just moved here. And we were coming around a turn, and my older daughter was like, oh, no, no, I don't want to run on the sidewalk over there. And I thought, gee, that seems... That seems a little fearful. But then when I looked, it was like, you know what? A young girl actually should, because the way the bushes and everything were, like somebody could, God forbid, be like, it looked like a scary area. So you gotta make sure your beliefs, your values, um, you've done a head check on um, where you are in life. And what, like, maybe if I'm looking to be the fastest runner ever, and I'm a little fearful of coming around the corner I just described, I go for it anyway, because my, my mission in life, my goal, my true north is to be the fastest runner ever. So I go for it. If I'm, you know, with my young daughters and my, like, and I'm not looking to set any records, we're out for an exit. We probably move away from those dark bushes and run out in the street. So, so you got to make sure um, you're able to ascertain in your brain, like when it's time to pivot and, and when, it's just some fear that's creeping in. Uh, in most cases, I mean, we've got legacy hardware and software uh, that were built with Doc. You know, you know this. 
um, and the amygdala, and it's giving us signals that are just not rational um, signals. It, it's wiring um, that was based on, you know, a thousand years ago. There, there, there were different kinds of fears. Um, and they were legitimate, like if a lion showed up to attack us or we're going to fall off a cliff or freeze to death. But um, now most of our fears are, um, are really, really just the avoidance of discomfort. That's all. That's all it is. So if you quickly do a head check and say, oh, I know what's going on there. My brain is just looking to get me to stop running right now or stop climbing or get away from the cold shower because it doesn't want to be comfortable. That's not a legitimate fear. I, you'll love this one. I had a guy who was 696 pounds. He came to live on my farm where, where Spartan was started, where the death race is held every year. And um, I got him down to 260 some odd pounds. We lost over 400 pounds. Wow. And I remember during the process, he was very uncomfortable as you would be or I was like, he was just miserable. We were in a knockdown drag out fight every single day. And one day he says to me, um, I got to go to the doctor. At this point, he's probably down 250 pounds. His skin looks good. He's, he's becoming healthy. He's doing 15 to 20 miles every day. He's eating raw fruits and vegetables. I got to go to the doctor, Joe. Oh yeah, why do you gotta go to the doctor? I gotta get my liver levels checked because you're only letting me eat raw fruits and vegetables and I'm walking so much, I need my liver levels checked. Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Doctor? Sure, go for it. I said, you stupid motherfucker. I said, your brain is just trying to avoid the discomfort. You don't wanna eat vegetables anymore. You don't wanna do the hike anymore. I said, let me ask you this. When you were eating eight egg McMuffins a day and two two-liter Sprites, did it once occur to you to get your liver levels checked? No, it didn't. So you don't need your liver levels checked. You need your, you know, your, your radar for discomfort checked. So you know, and there was an example where it was, it was um, fear-based that wasn't legitimate. It, it required a head check. And you know, most of us probably need a couple of people around us that hold us accountable and help us do a, a reality check because um because our brains will shut us down well before we need to be shut down one one of my sayings you guys could all live by is um are you pissing blood yet because if you're not pissing blood you're probably okay keep going <laughs> love that so um you know with with all of this that we've talked about i mean people will say Oh, well, you know, uh, people are born with that kind of mental toughness. Um, and I can, I'm constantly telling them, no, you can, you can actually learn this mental toughness. Uh, do you have any like specific techniques that you use to, to help people to achieve that? Well, I want, I want to, I want to just comment on what you said, and then I'll give you some specific techniques. Number one, um, I, I would say the opposite, Doc. I would say we are all mentally and physically tough. We're all mm -hmm. born the same. What happens is we learn helplessness. Yeah. We, get we get layers and layers of uh, flannel put on around us be by, by all the stuff that we have, in the, especially in this country. We have it so damn easy. Um, we got to take the flannel off. We got to peel away 
the onion and get back to our core, which is naturally resilient. It's kept us on the planet for one million years in some form or another of species. Like we are resilient creatures, just like dogs and cats and mountain goats and other um, animals, right? We could take a beating and keep on ticking. And so, um, so how do we peel away those, those layers? Well, in, in our very soft society in this world we live in, you're going to have to manufacture some adversity. You got to practice it. You're going to have to take micro doses of tough. And um, here's the thing. If you do it alone, most of us, you and I, Doc, will push ourselves to a red line. But, but if you do it alone and I do it alone, we'll take it to level five. If we do it together, we might take it to level eight. If we do it together and we have an instructor, we'll take it to level 11. So, so you know, you could push yourself only so far. Um, the gas pedal only goes so far. You might have to have, you definitely have to have some friends around. And then I would argue it's going to sound self-serving. You got to sign up for something that scares the shit out of you. Yeah. You got to sign up. Like if it's scary, I remember once you like this, I was in Scotland at one of our events and I, and, and here's one of the things I do. One of the tricks I use in my brain, I, I saw two 50 pound tent weights. They were holding down the tent. They look like dumbbells and it was raining out and we were getting ready for this race in Scotland. And my mind immediately said, no, Joe, don't do it. <laughs> and as soon as my mind said, don't do it, I said, I'm going to carry those two 50 pound dumbbells through the course. Oh, don't do it. I'm going to do it. And the more my mind said, don't do it, the more I, you know, you do a quick analysis. It's not going to kill me. I guess I could quit. It's going to suck. It checks all these boxes. It's a completely outside my comfort zone. And then, and then I, a little trick I do is how do I make it fun too? I don't make it fun. And so I found a bagpiper and I paid him a couple of hundred dollars. And I said, can you just follow me on the course playing the bagpipes the entire time while I carry these two weights? <laughs> and so I made it fun. I turned it into a story. It was incredibly hard. Uh, I wanted to quit 50 times, but, but I got through it. And, 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 you know, the next time I'm doing something hard, I can reflect back on that. So you got to practice it. You got to get way outside your comfort zone. You got to have friends around you that are going to, by the way, this is not Joe DeSena. This is ancient Spartans figured out if they were going to live a stoic lifestyle, if they were going to push themselves and become the ultimate warriors, they had to be around a group of people that believed them were going to do the same thing. Otherwise it wouldn't work. You couldn't have 80% of the population doing it. 20, like everybody had to buy into this. So you got to find a bunch of friends that when you're not feeling it, they're feeling it. You know, you prop them up, they prop you up, and then you got to sign up for really hard, challenging, outside your comfort zone things. Um, and, and I guess it starts with, it starts with, before you do all that, it starts with the acceptance that there is um, a reason for this. Because if you don't accept that there's a reason to do hard, um, your mind is going to shut it down when you're in the middle of hard. Yeah. You know, you remind me so much of my favorite coach. Um, you may know him, Dan John. I don't know Dan John. Oh, Dan John is, is an amazing, uh, coach just like you. I mean, he competes in the Highland games every year and, um, he has these athletes. He, he trains, uh, the athletes uh, for the Olympics, but, 
uh, he's also a big power lifter, but he said, um, these people would come up to him and they'd say, you know, Hey, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to work out. I haven't done my pre-workout drink and I need my, my protein drink and everything like that. And he said, the people nowadays just don't get it. He said, you know, I go into the Highland games and I, I do a couple of shots of scotch before I uh, go to compete. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who is just like, get in there and do it and quit trying to analyze, quit trying to do the questions and just get in there and do it. Uh, yeah, you should hook up with him because you guys are. I, I, think, I think Dan John could be the official trainer of the death race. Oh, he would love that. He would absolutely connect, love connect that. us. That'd be amazing. I will. I will. Um, so we've talked about the mind. We've talked about the physical body. How about diet? I mean, is there, is there something with the diet that will, um, and this is an obvious question, but that will help with resiliency. What's your technique with that? Well, let me ask your audience this. Let's just say, let's just say we were an automobile. I love analogies. Let's say we were an automobile and our goal as an automobile was to race across the desert, the Baja 500. We're a rugged automobile. And we make sure all the parts of the vehicle are rock solid and the shocks are strong and the outer covering and we got helmets. We, we did everything we could from a training perspective. All that stuff is organized um, really, really well. And we got our maps laid out. You know, we got our mind right. So we got our mind right. We got our body right. We're ready to go, you know, Baja 500. What if we don't use the right fuel? <laughs> Doesn't work. So, so like, I see this all the time with kids, my boys, I have two boys, two girls, the boys wrestle and they work so hard training every day and they win some and they lose some, but they still don't understand how important diet is. It seems to, it seems to creep in once an athlete gets to college or goes beyond. And it's just frustrating because here you are doing all that work. And then you're going backwards at least 20% by having a poor diet. Like I, I believe fitness starts in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, you, you could see a very, very fit person just eating well and exercising minimally. Like you can get a lot done eating well. So, so um, now I'm a, I'm a personal believer in, in minimizing the amount of animal protein. I don't, I don't eliminate it completely, but I minimize it. I'm a big believer in more, more vegetables, uh, more raw foods, uh, salads. I, I recommend a big salad with every meal. And after that, you're going to eat meat, fish, not eat meat, fish, vegan, keto, whatever. It doesn't matter, but at least a big uh, salad with every meal. Um, I believe in a lot of water. I, I used to, I was pushing this idea of two giant glasses of um, room temperature water every morning upon waking. I've now changed that in the last month to a liter of water every morning upon waking. Um, and that, you know, that, that's from a, a Japanese doctor I met said, Joe, two glasses is not enough. So, and I feel a thousand times better on a, on a liter. Um, I'm a big believer in not eating too close to bedtime or too close to waking. Um, that just makes sense to me. You're going to like this. I used to clean swimming pools. I used to clean 700 swimming pools, me and my team. I had a swimming pool business when I was young. 
every week. So I got, to, I, I became very intimate with a swimming pool. A swimming pool is like 20,000 gallons of water. The human body, call it, you know, 10, 13 gallons of water. It's basically a swimming pool. It's got a pump and a filter. It's got a heart. It's got lungs. It's got kidneys. Um, right. So it filters, filters out your blood, a liver, just like a swimming pool has a pump and a filter swimming pool, by the way, if you dump a bunch of leaves in the pool and French fries and coffee and beer and all the things uh, we eat and you turn the pump off and you don't clean the filter, the pool turns green pretty quickly. And that's 20,000 gallons of water. And we're only, you know, 10 or 13 gallons of water. We're tiny. And we're expecting these tiny little filters we have and this tiny little pump to clean out our blood and clean this whole swimming pool. And we're, we're feeding it garbage every day. So like when you ask me about diet, I don't know, pretty friggin' important to me. Yeah. By the way, yeah, sure. it doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. I make mistakes every single day. But, um, but what I don't do and what you can't do if you're listening or watching this, I don't throw in the towel based on a mistake. The mistake is that meal, right? We got another meal coming up afterwards. Let's, let's get it right next time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, we educated our clients a lot about really feeling into the interoceptive aspects of the body. Cause we see this in, in a lot of our uh, athletes and, and uh, special forces soldiers, they, they tend to have this ability to really read what the body's asking for. Um, you know, people, people will ask me, well, you know, should I, should I fast in the mornings? And I'm like, well, are you, are you hungry? Is your body hungry when you get up? Um, and most people aren't really hungry when they get up, they just tend to eat. So we get them to start listening to the body um, when they're running. I mean, it's amazing that with the, um, with these special forces guys and the athletes, they seem to know what they have in the tank and how fast they can go. And they know if they exceed a certain thing, they're not going to make it there. And, you know, I've, I've seen so many people be able to learn that. And I think we've lost that connection because of modern society. I mean, you know, just even just the, the light bulb has changed our circadian patterns and, and we're not following what the body really, really is asking for or needing. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, we uh, sit and watch too much screen. Mm -hmm. We sit and eat too much. 75% of us are chronically dehydrated. We're not drinking enough water. Most people are waking up drinking a cup of coffee, getting dehydrated. Before yeah. bed, they're drinking a couple of beers, they're getting dehydrated. They're completely dehydrated. They're overeating. Um, they're not sleeping enough. And they're not sweating enough. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're talking about in, in your new book, The 10 Rules for uh, Resilience, as it pertains to families? I mean, where does this mental toughness come in for for families? Well, I mean, the biggest thing, like when I when I would tell people individually how to become tougher, it's got to start with true north. What is your true north? Because if, if you don't know where you're going, like when you get in a car and you don't put in your address, assuming you don't read maps anymore on paper like you and I used to do. But if you don't put in the address, like where, if you don't know where you're going, where you, you're going to go in circles. You're not going to get there. Right. So you have to have a true north individually and as a family it's like a code of arms hey family let's sit down what do we stand for 
mm-hmm. because we need a place to reflect back on when we're having tough time. Wait a minute. Dad said, mom said, we stand for this. Whatever that thing is, I, 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 there's no judgments here. You, you guys have to decide as a family, as a company, as a group of friends, what do you stand for? From there, what, you know, what rituals are you going to take on each day that ladder up to what you stand for? What, what is your belief system? What is your language um, related to what you stand for? And then, and then everything else is the stuff we're talking about. If you want to be more like as a family, get your diet right. As a family, get your exercise right. As a family, start to understand that you're all feeding each other a lot of bullshit and let's get rid of the bullshit and let's focus on the stuff that really makes a difference. Let's drop the devices. How much screen time is your family spending wasting time, right? What time does the family go to bed? Because it's, it becomes a negative cycle. If you're putting the kids to bed late and then they're having a tough time waking up, forget about even working out. They're having a tough time waking up. They're late for school. You're stressing the entire family. That leads to fights. Like, like you want to you wanna set yourself up for success, not for failure. And this really stems, this book stems from the fact that um, we raise, we're raising four children now. Hopefully in 20 years, we'll find out that what we say is working. <laughs> Who knows? But I suspect it does. But folks around us were so um, shocked that we would be out early in the morning working out that my boys might be carrying a kettlebell from their friend's house to my, that, that I didn't want the kids to have cookies when we were out. Like these were things that made so much sense to me based on the conversation you and I just had and didn't make sense for the rest of society around us, except for a few neighbors that would start sending their kids over and say, Hey Joe, would you mind if the kids come over and start working out with you and pick up some of the lessons? And that happened Anywhere we lived, whether it was the farm, we lived in Singapore for years of family, we lived in Japan for years of family, we lived in Vancouver as a year for family, Boston for like now we're in Florida, like anywhere we went, families would start showing up after a while and dropping their kids off to be with us. Yeah. That's I mean, we we raised five boys, my wife and I, and um they're they're in their mid and early twenties. And they complained a lot about the way we ate, the way we kept them doing activities, taking them on adventures like rock climbing and all that. Um, now they look back on it and they're, they're grateful for that. And they actually live a very healthy lifestyle. And I think that example is so important when it comes to the families. Um, what you were talking about with the screen time, I mean, it was about 15 years ago, my wife and I decided, uh, you know, all we do in the evenings after dinner is, is sit around and watch TV. And we just said, we've got to stop doing that. And so what we did is we started going to bed. We go to bed anytime between eight and nine 30. And it's rare that we ever go to bed after nine 30, but we wake up between four and four 30 in the morning. And, uh, you know, that is just such a productive part of the day for us, uh, from a relationship standpoint, from an activity standpoint, uh, because nobody's up and, you know, we have like from four to nine of our own time and in the mornings you have no desire to watch TV or anything. So that's off the table. And, and it really changed our life dramatically by shifting our, um, our lifestyle in that way. So I love, love that you're saying that. Most of us make is 
we set our alarm clocks for the morning, but really we should set it for the night. Yes. Right. Yes. We should be, we should be, the alarm should be going off at 8 PM. What the hell are you doing? If you don't have a late night job, what are you doing past 9 PM? Yeah. What are you doing? You're watching TV or you're playing video games. Uh, hey. Some people will read and I'll give them credit on that one, but it's still, I mean, the, the shift for us was dramatic. I mean, most people they're in the evenings, their brain powers is zapped anyway. I mean, they're, they just don't have anything left in them. So that's why they, they tend to choose the, the stuff that doesn't require much thought processing at that time. Um, but yeah, I love that you're, you're on board with that approach as well. Um, and it's been a big thing for us. So, uh, what's next for Spartan right now? Well, we got a, we landed, um, a CNBC television show that launches February 22nd. And it's basically applying everything that you and I just spoke about to business. Uh -huh. So, so the same way we're recommending families should you know, build resi resilience, we're recommending businesses should build resilience. Mm -hmm. And I bring businesses to the farm and we literally put them through the paces like you would be proud of, and uh, they come out stronger for it. So that launches Feb 22. That's been a lot of work leading up to this. Um, thank God the world is opening back up, even though mm -hmm. cases uh, for COVID are through the roof. It appears that everybody's learned. Finally, we got to live with this. There's no way out other than just deal with it. And um, we eventually, you know, we want to be um, a house of brands. So whether it's uh, hiking or biking or running obstacles, whatever it is, if it's really, really challenging and um, it's going to break you down, um, we are we're interested. Awesome. Uh, that's what we want to be. I love that. And I, I very much enjoyed talking with you. Um, we've never met before, but uh, I think you were at the, I was at the Spartan championship in uh, Tahoe um, three years ago. And uh, I think you were there. I didn't get a chance to meet you. Um, there we met. There, but, so, but it's been a real pleasure. Uh, I love what you do. Uh, love to see it growing the way it is. And uh, hopefully, uh, be adding more and more things to the mix to, to really build that life of excellence for people. This podcast is for informational purposes only. The podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should not use the information on the podcast for diagnosing or treating a health problem or disease, or prescribing any medication or other treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider before taking any medication or nutritional, herbal, or homeopathic supplement and with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this or any other podcast. Reliance on the podcast is solely at your own risk. Information provided on the podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship between you and any of the health professionals affiliated with our podcast. Information and statements regarding dietary supplements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. 
individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to therein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician. This podcast is owned by Neurohacker Collective.